0: Good afternoon, whenever it is you're listening to the We Tackle Life podcast. Nice to be with you again. Yes, I took Monday off, Monday, July the 5th, but we're back here with a Wednesday, July 7th edition of the podcast, and wow, we have a lot of explosive stuff to talk about. Uh, The return of EJ Liddell, the signing of JT Tuamilau, and... Drama on top of drama on top of drama at ESPN. Uh, I am sure that um, this is a great time to be freed of the uh, politics of a commercial station to tell you what I know about uh, the Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor situation. But first, let me tell you what I know about how to stay in business if you're struggling or even if you're not, how to save money. And how to attract better employees. Benefits is a key item, and researching benefits can be a nightmare. So I don't blame you for being a business owner who says, Ha, the last time I did that, it took me not just hours, not just days, but weeks, and it frustrated me to no end. And I'm not going back into that lion's den again, Bruce. Well, good news you don't have to, and you can get updated information because auiinfo.com specializes in knowing all the health insurance benefits, all the disability, vision, dental, all those benefits. That's what they do at auiinfo.com. So when you go on their site and type into their chat, here's what I pay, here's what I like to offer, can I get a better deal? Can I get into a chamber of commerce plan? How does that work? I'm a small business, I got two employees, me and another person. I'm a small business but we're thriving. I got 50 employees. I really feel like I need to offer more. Any question you have, just go to auiinfo.com, user chat feature and get it taken care of without any extra sweat on your brow. They don't charge you, it's free. They get paid by the people that you select and they don't care who you select because they get paid no matter who it is. So, that's how you do it. auiinfo.com. All you business owners, you're crazy if you don't make that call. Not necessarily make that call, but make that click, type that chat info in, whatever it is. Just do it because you'll be glad, and you'll be really super glad that I introduced you to Chrissy at AUI because she's a rock star. Great, uh, great, great lady. Okay, Uh, let's start with the Ohio State stuff, then we'll get to the ESPN stuff. And a super, super sad thing with the Columbus Blue Jackets, young goalie, Matisse, uh, Kivleniak's dying in a very strange fireworks accident, which I still don't understand because the details on it are kind of foggy. But uh, let's start with the good news. E.J. Liddell is coming back to Ohio State for his junior year. He made the right decision. In my opinion, Dwayne Washington made the wrong decision. Dwayne Washington is staying in the draft. I've been told by somebody who talks to the NBA scouts that Dwayne Washington started with a 12% chance of going in the draft. He has now well over 50% chance of going in the draft. I hope he gets drafted. I would not bet $1 on it. I just do not believe Dwayne Washington offers a skill set that NBA teams think is something they can't live without. Uh, his scoring potential is what intrigues them. I don't know why they would be intrigued by a guy who's never shot 40% from three point range from the college distance, but I hope they are. Cause I really like Dwayne and I would love Dwayne back on the Ohio state basketball team because I think he could get better. And I think he could really help them. And I think he'd have a once in a lifetime experience playing his senior year for Ohio state, getting honored on senior night, getting the bump of being a four year Buckeye and all those things. But Dwayne chose otherwise EJ Liddell, Wavered, but E.J. Liddell had the humility to listen to what the scouts were telling him. And the, and the deal is, you're not ready when you think you're ready. You're ready when the scouts say you're ready. When the team's drafting you say you're ready to be taken, then you're ready. But just because Dwayne Washington feels like he's ready to be taken, that doesn't mean he's going to get taken. Um, and I would personally think Dwayne will probably have to bounce around the G League, um, Peoria. Uh, Grand Rapids—that's where he's from, someplace like that, or he's going to have to, you know, go the European route. And typically, I mean, in Europe, you can make it—you can make a living as a guard, but they limit the number of Americans over there. And I'm not saying it's not a highly paid life; it's just it's not a life that would appeal to me. When you could play another year of college basketball at Ohio State, go—excuse th- me—go through senior day. And all those kinds of things. But, you know, Dwayne made his choice. I wish him well. Uh, I just don't happen to agree with his choice. EJ understood that, look, there are things that I can add to my repertoire that will make me a lot more attractive to the NBA because last year I added a three-point shot, and can he become a Robert Ori or a Dale Ellis? I don't think so, but I didn't think I wanted him shooting threes last year, and he made threes uh, and won them some games by making threes. Uh, Maybe he becomes more reliable at that this year. I know this, he's going to get to play the four this year because they have Joey Brunk, Zed Key, and Kyle Young to play the five, and so EJ will play the four, and that's kind of an intriguing lineup. Let's say you start Kyle Young at center or Zed Key at center, and then you have uh, EJ Liddell and Justice suing at forward, and in the backcourt you've got um, Michi Johnson and let's say Malachi Branham. I don't really think Malachi's ready. Uh, Justice Suing could play in the backcourt. Uh, I know you're all wondering, Seth Towns. Anything to get out of Seth Towns is bonus, 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 bonus. Seth Towns needs to be in the headlines for basketball only. Uh, that would be great. Um, as for the most interesting aspect of EJ Liddell's return, it is this. He is, I would say, the most proven player for name, image, and likeness uh, companies to contemplate as someone in whom they'd like to invest their money, except perhaps, yeah, I guess Chris Olave, maybe, or Garrett Wilson. But EJ Liddell is unquestionably, unquestionably a more proven Commodity than the guy whose commitment on Sunday uh, sent OSU fans and OSU fan internet sites into spasms of uh, joy. The uh, signing of JT to Emilio. Now he's a great prospect, and I always laugh when I see that uh, someone writes that he's the highest-ranked defensive prospect Ohio State has ever signed. Okay, is that true? Yeah, I got man. I, why would they lie? I'm sure it's true. <laughs> does that mean he's going to be better than Nick Bosa? Uh, does that mean he's better going to be better than Chase Young, better than Jeff Okuda, better than, oh, I don't know, Chris Spielman, better than eh, Randy Gratishar, better than Jack Tatum? Mm, you know, okay, great, fine. Your credentials are what get you recruited. They don't make a tackle for you. So let's see what the kid is. Um, I was thinking back on the Bosa's and Chase Young and trying to remember if they were really lights out as true freshmen, and I don't think they were. Uh, it t- it seemed to me that both uh, the Bosa's and Chase Young, uh, really Chase Young, his junior year, became you know a star. Uh, Joey was a star as a sophomore. Nick was a star, eh, kind of as a sophomore. More, yeah. I mean, that was the only year he really had. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I I think, you know, to expect Tua Milau and Jack Sawyer to be man-eaters this year may not be that realistic, but they'll get a lot of uh, opportunity, I'm sure. So, so that's the whole interesting thing to me on the name, image, and likeness is how monetizable, is that a word? I'd try it in Scrabble. Uh, how monetizable is EJ Liddell? What does he lack? Great player super smile really personable really humble uh very very uh you know eloquent bright uh introspective uh, hard, hard worker I can't say enough good things about him he's really a super young man and so I mean if the city of Columbus cannot or does not invest in EJ Liddell instead if money's falling out of the pockets of a guy who's never played a down for Ohio State before he plays a down for Ohio State, and JT to a Milau, I think that gets out on the circuit. This gives another level to recruiting and negative recruiting and monetization of athletes. Um, This is something that, you know, could be a very interesting thing. And do we get now to a point where, like, Kentucky – you know, Calipari's always loaded up on McDonald's All-Americans. Coach K is always loaded up on McDonald's All-Americans. Are these guys now in the name image and likeness era <laughs> are they more concerned with winning a championship or are they more concerned with going somewhere where their brand will be the only brand that the that is, you know, attractive to the people who want to invest in that school. I know which side of that equation i would put my money on the individual part because these guys are individuals when they get recruited and some of them may want to win a title but some of them more of them i think are looking at this now like how much am i going to get paid how much can i make and um anyway i don't want to go down the name image and likeness rabbit hole except to say e.j liddell better get paid and i heard from a really solid um person who would know that somebody in town wanted to, uh, somebody in town wanted to invest 50 grand in EJ Liddell as an inducement for him to come back to school, which ah, I don't think he can do that. Uh, but now they can, uh, now that he said he's coming back. Okay. So there we go on, uh, EJ Liddell's return, uh, and JT to arrival. Uh, One quick note, did you all see the video of LeBron making an idiot out of himself at St. Vincent St. Mary on, was it Saturday night? LeBron's at one of Bronny Jr.'s games, and it's LeBron James Gymnasium, okay? And so the PA announcer, Bronny James, gets some call. I don't know if he got fouled or didn't get fouled, but the PA announcer, like, I give the guy credit. He's got a set of brass ones. He said, um... Yeah, he's going to get that call in this gym all the time. His dad's named after his dad or given his name. He's going to get that call all the time. So, all right. Was that smart? Probably not. LeBron makes a scene, though. That definitely wasn't smart. And <laughs> he goes over and he, like, berates the announcer, like, in the middle of a game. Um, I have become a uh, quiet observer of my daughter's sporting events. Um. Uh, my first daughter, unfortunately, had to deal with the uh, helpful <laughs> helpful dad from the stands, and uh, I've learned not to be that guy uh, going through a leadership training. heard a story that totally changed my view of that, that uh, the kids don't want to hear it, even if it's good, and so I don't do it anymore. And, LeBron, you need to learn that lesson, my friend, who's not my friend, but at any rate, uh, LeBron looked like an idiot. Okay, uh, very sad news for the Columbus Blue Jackets organization with the death of uh, Matisse Kivleniak. Uh, I did not know him at all. His, uh, I did not know his potential. I mean, my daughter called me and told me that um, the Blue Jackets had a goalie that died, and I thought it was Elvis or uh, Corpy, uh, but it was uh, this young man, 24 years old, uh, Aaron Porcelain of the Athletic uh, gave an interview this morning on uh, Brandon Boxer's show on 610, and really did an excellent job summing up this young man. He was the goalie for Latvia in his hometown in the some kind of international competition where Latvia beat the Canadian beat the Canada team. I think I think Porty said two to one, and that this made this young man just you know the, t- the toast of his nation. And that it's, you know, really cool that he got to experience that. He died in a fireworks accident. He was in Michigan somewhere. And I, th- I think a huge firework like shot over and hit him in the chest. It outwardly didn't cause any damage, but inwardly massive injuries, the coroner said. And then I read that he fell and hit his head. So like did the, the fall and hit his head from the getting hit in the chest kill him or not? It really doesn't matter he's gone and that's just awful. I mean, a young person killed in the prime of their life is a is a very very sad thing and so um you know, just pray that he um, pray that he knew the lord and that um and that he's resting in his arms right now. Um okay, here we go. Uh before we get into before we get into the ESPN situation, uh this seems like a good time to tell you about my attorney firm because I can only imagine how many attorneys are involved in this ESPN stuff. But Willis Spangler Starling is the firm. They are awesome. They are on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. They have been um, great to, for me to deal with in negotiations where I needed a calm, steady hand. They are very down-to-earth, very smart, very smart, very personable. Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, if you have a case that involves Will's estate planning, personal injury, uh, Social Security Disability Workers Comp. They are awesome. I can't say enough about the partners at Willis Spangler Starling, and they will prioritize your case and shepherd you through it and do an excellent job. They are just a little bit north of Mill Run, so very convenient. Willis Spangler Starling online, willisattorneys.com. All right, so I read, I read this, uh, tw- this Twitter blow-up, this New York Times story about Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor. Okay, so... Here's what I have said for many years about Maria Taylor, okay? And we're going to be, I'm going to be totally frank with you here. I'm not going to mince words. I don't care if this offends anybody because I'm the mayor of Town, and this is the absolute positive truth. There are very few people in media who do not have some factor in addition to their talent for... Uh, uh, who do not have some additional factor besides their talent that contributed to them getting the job they have. I had a personal uh, friendship with the sports editor at the Plain Dealer when I got hired in 1987 because he had hired me at the Miami News in 1985. And he left the Miami News and he went to Cleveland and he said, if you stay here a year, if you don't like it, I'll try to get you out. Now, let me say this. When I got interviewed at the Plain Dealer, I was supposed to get hired in August to take over the Ohio State beat in September. I didn't get hired until Halloween. And the reason I didn't get hired until Halloween is because my boss who hired me told me later they had to interview 18, 18 minorities to satisfy the National Labor Relations Board that I was the best candidate for the job. That was 1987, okay? So, Maria Taylor has been a rocket ship at ESPN. She started, the first time I ever saw her was at the Rose Bowl after Christian McCaffrey won the MVP. I think he played Iowa, and he was tremendous, and she interviewed him on the field after the game, and I will give her this. There was some drunk idiot who was standing behind Christian McCaffrey at the time going Heisman, Heisman her questions were inane she couldn't even speak clearly and I mocked her performance after that game on my radio show and it was clear to me then that she was a talent ESPN was trying to develop and they were going to put up with her clumsy questions after a game because she's beautiful and she's black sorry about it it's the truth anybody who's worked in journalism over the last 20 years knows this to be true how many people got hired to cover the nba and this is this was like racism and reverse racism but it happened over and over and over again at major newspapers where people would be hired to cover the NBA because they were black. They Sports editors would go into it looking to hire a black reporter because, well, it's the NBA and they're talking to black people, so only a black person can talk to a black person. It was stupid, and yet it was common. And I don't know if it remains common or not. I haven't been in newspapers since 2005, but I know this. There were many people in newspapers in the last 10 years that I spent in them, not just at the Plain Dealer, but at many big papers, who got jobs they were not qualified for because they were minorities of some sort. That's just the truth, folks. Sorry if it offends you. I'm not sorry to tell you the truth, okay? So Maria Taylor had a long leash at ESPN because she checked boxes they wanted checked in their entire picture of on camera talent. Now, Rachel Nichols did as well. Here's the difference Rachel Nichols, did Rachel Nichols being a woman help her get hired? No doubt. Did Rachel Nichols, being an attractive woman, help her get hired? No doubt. But Rachel Nichols was a tremendous reporter at the Washington Post, where I'm sure her femininity and her and her uh, I don't know if her looks made any difference. Typically in newspapers, it doesn't. But Rachel Nichols got assignments at the Washington Post because she was. Uh, you know, a woman who had talent and that set her apart from other women. What is this thing like that we have this uh, virulent rejection of ethnicity, gender, who you know? You know, there always used to be these things like, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Like, that's still true even if we don't want to admit it. And it's not... In my opinion, and I don't care if it is in yours, racist to say that Maria Taylor got opportunities because she's black, because she's a woman, because she's a former college athlete. Did she do a lot with those opportunities? Sure. I think she, I think it's the, I think she's insane. Well, first of all, ESPN's insane to think she's a five million dollar a year talent. Uh, she's insane to turn it down, <laughs> and. I don't know what the market for her is beyond ESPN, but there's a lot of people who thought there was a market beyond ESPN for them, and there wasn't. Say hello to Michelle Beadle. By the way, where is she? Who Michelle Beadle's whole shtick, and I don't say shtick like to be critical. Michelle Beadle's whole shtick was she was like the hot older sister of your best friend who you knew you like, you know, didn't really have a shot to date. But yeah, she's really cool and she's, you know, pretty good looking, but not the most beautiful person you've ever seen, but yeah, she's really cute. And she's fun and that's that was Michelle Beadle's whole appeal, okay? Like I deal in the real world. I'm too old to give a two cares about whether, you know, you're offended by the fact that Maria Taylor's uh, her feelings are hurt that Rachel Nichols was caught on a some kind of a Zoom mic that she forgot to turn off saying, Hey, look, my contract says I am hosting studio on NBA Finals. If you're going to replace me with Maria Taylor, then that's bogus because I've been caught in the intersectionality web at ESPN. And I know you guys want to be progressive and you want to look good, you know, and all this stuff, but it's in my contract. And if you're going to give Maria Taylor a gig because you want to promote her and part of the reason why you want to promote her is because she checks some intersectionality boxes for you, don't do it at my expense. That's what Rachel Nichols said on this live. mic. okay, so some idiot at ESPN gets this and, oh, they're so super offended. And so they record it and they send it around and everybody hears it. And this is like an internal thing at ESPN for the last year. And of course, Rachel Nichols said the quiet part out loud and, Oh, you know what an evil person because she dared to assume that Maria Taylor got a gig because, you know, doesn't have anything to do with the fact that she's beautiful. Doesn't have anything to do with the fact she's black. Okay. So here's my thing on these kinds of things for Maria Taylor to be upset that Rachel Nichols said this about her. Indicates how fragile Maria Taylor's ego is, because if it's not fragile, what do you care what Rachel Nichols thinks of your ability? I've worked with plenty of people over the years who didn't think I was good enough for the beat I had in newspapers or for the gigs I got on radio, and I could care less because I knew, and I knew I could do the job better than them. And if you know you can do the job, what do you care what other people think of you? I don't care. Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor don't really even have to work together. So I think this is so stupid. And then Adrian Wojnarowski to, like, backstab Rachel Nichols by saying she's a bad teammate. Adrian Wojnarowski is that dude, man, he's the kind of guy who has backstabbed a ton of people, as one of his former ESPN colleagues said. Uh, he is so stuck on himself. I've had a few uh, run-ins with him, or, or not run-ins, but interactions with him. He thinks he... I'm not a fan. I'll just put it that way. I'm not a fan, okay? Um, and there are many people who are not a fan. He's caught up in his own press clippings, okay? So uh, it's, it's you know, I feel bad for Rachel Nichols. She's really talented, but she makes, she makes two million bucks a year probably. So, you know... I'm not crying a river for her. She turned, she didn't leave, she didn't turn the camera off, which was dumb. The lowlife scumbag is the person at ESPN who recorded it and sent it all around. Uh, that's a lowlife scum move. And Maria Taylor's got to like laugh it off and go, you know, whatever. I don't care. Like I worked with a guy in Cleveland who didn't think I deserved the job. It's like, whatever. I don't care. Um. So it's, um, <laughs> It's um, it's just what a bunch of uh, divas. This is a thing you don't know probably about television people. This is very common in television. Um, news anchors are known to count the words in their script and to get salty if their co-anchor has like one more sentence than they do. So it's just pretty silly to me that this whole thing blew up, and uh, now it's this major thing. And Rachel Nichols has paid a tremendous price. It's embarrassing when you're caught on a hot mic, um, so there's that embarrassment. Uh, she had to do this groveling apology, and it's like, what is ESPN doing? Like they make her do this groveling apology, and then they take her off the sidelines at the NBA Finals. Like, why did she do the groveling apology? Like she didn't grovel enough. So I think ESPN looks really bad in this, and I don't know how it'll shake out. If Maria Taylor leaves ESPN, I think she's crazy. I cannot fathom that Fox or—here's the thing. She's probably such an egomaniac that she probably thinks she's ready to, like, host a talk show or something like that, which is ludicrous. (laughs) Yes, ludicrous. Like, sign your contract and thank your lucky stars that you have qualities that somebody prizes. Because if you had to survive early in your career on that interview with Christian McCaffrey at the Rose Bowl, it is one of. I would use that in a teaching video of how not to do a post game interview. ESPN has some really talented female post game uh, um, sideline reporters. Allison Williams is phenomenal. She listens to what a coach says, asks great follow-up questions, watches the game, and asks good questions. She's not inane. She's better than Holly Rowe. She's better than Maria Taylor. I think Allison Williams is tremendous. I've always thought Aaron Andrews did a tremendous job. To act like Aaron Andrews' looks have not helped her, in her career is ludicrous to act like Maria Taylor's. Haven't helped her is ludicrous. Use everything you got. If it gives you leverage, use it. Don't be ashamed of it. And don't be such a fragile ego centric person that if somebody else dares to think you got a gig over them for some reason, other than your talent, too bad. You got the gig. Move on with your life. All right. Uh, My final sponsor read, of course, you know, it's HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We tackle life. Use the promo code in all caps. Get 15% off at Hemisphere. Uh, I just love what they do. Buying their coffee direct from growers around the world. Nicaragua, Thailand, Indonesia. Getting it right in your hands. Shipping it right to your door. Light, medium, dark roast. K-cups. However you like it. And... lots of flavored coffees, uh, big time caffeine, moderate caffeine, no caffeine, you name it, they've got it. Browse their website, read their story, watch their YouTube videos. You'll be like, well, I got to order from these people because they're just awesome people. Yes, they are. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. And thank you to those of you who have become uh, regular customers of Hemisphere. They appreciate it. And I appreciate it very, very much okay uh you know the whole like ESPN thing is such a it's such a uh, such a morass that's a great word for something like that and I probably was not very um, kind even though everything I said was true um, so it feels a little funny to do a faith portion of the podcast at the end of that particular content but I want to share with you something that, came to me over July the 4th, and July 4th this year uh, was really moving to me, and I hope it's moving to you, and I hope that July the 4th always remains uh, a moving holiday, and I hope we get to the point in our country, I hope we get back to the point in our country, where the entire country can be thankful for the fact that many, many men and women have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Um, My wife and kids are away for a bit, and one of the things that I often do when they're gone is I watch movies that they don't like to watch when they're here. And one of those movies is uh, Saving Private Ryan. And I try to watch Saving Private Ryan, um, if not every Memorial Day and every July 4th, certainly on one of those days, because... I went to the D-Day Museum in New Orleans once and was just struck by the uh, amount of casualties on the raid, um, the Allied invasion of Europe, and young men who um, were sailing in there on those boats um, and knowing most likely they were going to die. And many of them died before they ever got out of the boat, as is uh, gruesomely but accurately depicted by the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. So if you don't know the movie Saving Private Ryan, here's the thrust of it: is It's about a, um, a soldier, uh, James Ryan, who is one of four brothers from Iowa. And three of his brothers die uh, in the Allied invasion. Uh, he's in a different unit and he does not die. And someone at the War Department hears of this, and they decide that, uh, look, this mom in Iowa has lost three sons. we got to go find this other one and bring him back right now, like discharge him right now. And so Tom Hanks plays a captain who selects a group of 12 men who they go and they search all over <laughs> France for, um, for James Ryan. And um, at the end of the movie um, there's a cul- uh, the movie culminates in a uh, battle with uh, German soldiers and um, James Ryan uh, survives and uh, Tom Hanks the Tom Hanks character in the movie the captain um, tells him amid this carnage where, Many many men are being killed, uh, including some of the men in Tom Hanks' company who have, you know, walked all over France. And this, it was really the movie takes place within a week of the time they get the assignment, or the time of the Normandy invasion. And Tom Hanks tells him, um, "Earn this, earn this." In other words, a lot of men have given their lives so that you can go home. And so at the very end of the movie, you see the uh, Private Ryan, who is now an old man, in the cemetery at Normandy with all the white crosses, and he's standing in front of the white cross for um, you know, one of, the, one of the soldiers. I'm trying not to spoil too much here. And he asks his wife... First of all, he has a conversation with the soldier, the dead soldier at the cross on the Normandy battlefield, and he asks his wife with this desperate urgency in his voice, have I been a good man? Have I been a good man? And he asks it with an urgency that indicates the importance of the answer to be yes. Yes, you have been a good man. And the reason why that's important to him is because he has a keen awareness of the lives that were given up were surrendered to preserve his own life. And I thought about that as I was in church on Sunday, and I was thinking about uh, my father, who served in World War II, thankfully made it home. Um, his, one of his fondest wishes was always to go to, um, Pearl Harbor. And he told me several times, stand on the deck of the Arizona and pay tribute to my fallen comrades. And I was able to do that at an age. And my father was at an age where he could not travel. And I have always regretted not being able to take him to Hawaii so he could fulfill that, um, goal in his life. But my father saw things in the war that he didn't talk about. And he saw terrible things, I know, that he did not ever want to talk about. And we have a very polarized country right now. We have a faction of the country that loves the ideals our country was founded on, and we have a faction of the country that is very critical of the foundations of our country. But what is indisputable is that many many people have given their lives to preserve this country to preserve this way of life that we have to preserve these freedoms to be critical of our country to preserve freedoms to you know obsess over things like silly little talent spats at ESPN and we don't we got a pretty good life here, folks. We got a very good life here. But eventually this life will end. You might not might not die in a gun battle in a war, but you know, unless Christ comes back, you will die. And the sacrifice, when I contemplate my freedoms as an American, I realize that every freedom that I have has been won or has been preserved by the bravery and the blood and the courage of others in a war. They've defended our way of life, and some have paid the price. Those freedoms are bought with someone's blood. In exactly the same way, our freedom from the guilt of sin, the shame of sin, the worry of wondering what kind of price we'll have to pay for that. In the afterlife, we are spared if we are saved by Christ's death at the cross because of the blood he shed at the cross. And it put a different spin, a different lens for me to view Christ's sacrifice for me and the freedom that allows me to live with. Um, it's a it's a freedom of the heart. It's a freedom of knowing I'm loved. It's a freedom of knowing I'm forgiven. It's a freedom of uh, not having to worry about my eternal destiny. And that all those freedoms can be yours if you accept the blood of Jesus as the payment for your sin. And then you will, if you really understand that, you will live like Private Ryan lived, as depicted in the movie, where he realized what had been done for him to be able to go home to Iowa, to be able to get married, to be able to have kids, to be able to have grandchildren. And he wanted to earn it, and that is why he said to his wife, Have I been a good man? The importance of that to him was couldn't be overstated, because... To not be a good man would be to inauthenticate the blood spilled for him that gave him the chance to live the life that he lived. And if we're going to live eternally (laughs) because of what Jesus did and the blood that he spilled, I mean, how could you just continue to wallow around in meaningless sin and chasing your tail and trying to fulfill yourself with, earthly things and not plugging in and making a difference in other people's lives. That's authenticating your appreciation for what Jesus did for you. It doesn't qualify you. It authenticates you as legitimately getting it, okay? And the best way that Private Ryan could show those guys who died for him that he got what they did for him was by being a good man. And the best way you can show Christ that you understand what he spared you of with his blood at the cross is by following his teaching, plugging into other people's lives. Because he doesn't give you that teaching so you will miss out on some fun. He gives you that teaching so your life here will be more rich, more meaningful, more impactful, more powerful. So that's what I have for you um, in the faith portion of the podcast. And I think every guy... Most guys I know love saving private Ryan. whatever your rank in life, you've been saved not by Tom Hanks and a company of Army Rangers, but by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary and by his resurrection to new life. And that's what we're called to, a new life in him his power and his mind and all of that through his spirit. What an amazing thing to contemplate and to motivate us as we go forward. So with that, I hope you have an awesome Wednesday, and I will talk to you again Friday here on the We Tackle Life podcast. I'd appreciate a review on iTunes and a five-star rating. That'd be awesome. If you are so inclined, thanks so much. Have a great day.